Sugriva's Atlas, Part 2, Understanding World Geography of 14,000 plus years ago, how the world existed, how India existed, geologically, we can say geographically, uh, that is at the time of Ramayana. Okay, and this is part two. In the first part, we went through two directions. Now, this Sugriva's title uh, was uh, as a name, as a nice catchy name, was uh, Sugriva's Atlas was suggested to me by my good friend Bala Sankuratri. So quickly a background knowledge, uh, Ram Ravan Yuddha occurred in 12,209 BC, that's more than 14,000 years ago. I did this based on the astronomy, internal astronomy evidence of Valmiki Ramayana, close to 600 astronomy observations. Since then, uh, this particular chronology claim has been validated by every single discipline of science. If uh, evidence exists in that discipline, and if it can be connected, if it's relevant in the context of Valmiki Ramayana, Ramayana, Valmiki Ramayana evidence, then every single time it has validated this claim. Now, as we look through the geography of Ramayana times, we are going to look through uh, some archaeology evidence, paleontology evidence, oceanography evidence, climatology evidence, geology, genetics, geography, physical anthropology, sometimes astronomy, and then ancient Indian and non-Indian narratives. Okay, so going sometime beyond Ramayana as they relate to these places. So we might refer to them slowly. Again, keep this in mind. We are looking at the geography as it existed with the ocean levels, with the mountains and the land and the climate 14,000 years ago. Okay, quickly, uh, again on this timing, out of those uh, 600 astronomy references that I mentioned, even if we take six key references, it right away takes us to 13 millennium BC and nowhere else. Okay, so here, the month of Chitra, which now occurs in the second part of Vasanta Rutu, occurred during the Sharad season at the time of Ramayana. And you can see the descriptions in Valmiki Ramayana, which corroborate this claim. For example, Iti Bruvanta Mudita Pratyanandan Rupanupam Rushtimantam Mahamegam Nardanta Iva Barhina. Now, because Mahabharata or Ramayana, they are Arshakavya, they are poetry. So the description always comes in the form of uh, poetic embellishments as a Upaman or as a Nimitta. That is given. That's a common sense. So therefore, we need a perfect, a, a good theory, a not perfect theory, a simple statement of a theory that everyone can understand. And my theory statement is all astronomy descriptions of Valmiki Ramayana are actual, factual, visual descriptions of the sky of Ramayana times. So when I say of the sky, it's also on the ground. Okay, because uh, sun's position decides the seasons with respect to the earth. So Chitra is the season of a Sharad. If you go to Ramayana times and look at the description, what, uh, what Lakshman is saying of the Himantarutu and sun setting on the position of the sun uh, setting during Himantarutu. He's saying Nivrutta Akasha Shayana Pushanita Himaruna. The sun is setting during this Himantarutu on Pushya Nakshatra. Okay, so you can see that point of winter solstice near Pushya Nakshatra. In our times, if you go around, actually that winter solstice point 
it coincides with Mula Nakshatra here. Okay, it coincides with Mula Nakshatra. So you can simply count the Nakshatra. And as a rule of thumb, for every Nakshatra shift, you can take 1000 years. You will find from Pusha, uh, from Pusha to Mula, you're going to count approximately somewhere between 13, 14, 15, something like that. Okay, that's how precise how accurate and how useful astronomy is. Um, we also have a reference of Bharat, just like in a Chaturmas, which begins with the rainy season in, in Indian context. Uh, people take Vrata, different kind of Vrata. In Maharashtra, it is this Varkari, uh, uh, you know, they, they will start towards Pandarpur from Asha to Karthik. In this case, Bharat, there is a reference to Bharat taking a Vrata beginning with a Ashad. But that Ashad is not referred to the lunar month of Ashad, but it is the Ashad Nakshatra. That's why you're seeing at the summer solstice, the Nakshatra is Ashad. Now, uh, I don't know if this is true across India, but in Maharashtra, people would not have a problem understanding this. For example, uh, when the early rain comes, like around May, uh, May and June, it is called, um, in Marathi, it is called Mrugatsa Paus. For those of you uh, who know the, the famous uh, Adi Valmiki, you know, current Valmiki, we say contemporary Valmiki Gadima, his uh, one poem, he says, Maulicha Dugdapari Ale Mrugatse Tushar. So he's referring to the reign of a Mruga. It is not because it's the month of Margashirsha. He's referring to the sun's position is in the Mruga. In that sense, that Ashad, that is the Bharat is referring to. And it is also matching with that 13 millennium BC. Three more quick references. Um, the description of the pole stars in the southern hemisphere at the time of Ramayana, it is the, uh, what do you call, Canopus or Agastya is the pole star. And that is a work of uh, my co-researcher, Mrs. Rupa Bhattiji. And I have shown, so I did not actually, I missed that reference, but I had seen, uh, I have expressed the first reference, which is the pole star in the Northern Hemisphere. That was Brahma Rashi or Abhijit or Vega. And the reference comes in Ramayana, which says Brahma Rashi, Vishuddhasya, Shuddhasya, Paramashya, Archishmanta, Prakashante, Dhruvam Sarve, Pradakshinam. Brahma Rashi, Abhijit, Vega is the pole star. And of course, all the stars are rotating around it. And uh, one last reference. The Ashwin Mass, which now we do the Navaratri, but that comes like September, uh, August, September, October timeframe, uh, which is what? Sharad season. But that time it was exactly opposite. It was coming during the Vasanta Rutu. And Angad is describing that when they are searching for Sita. He says, now this, I see all the signs of Vasanta Rutu. I see um, Ashwin month as a reference point. And even that seems to be passing away. Vayam Ashwayuje Masi Kalasankhya now this Ashwin is also passing away. Spring is passing away. We started in Sharad Rutu and we have still not found Sita. What are we going to do now? Okay. So that takes us to this uh, 14,000 years ago. I just said that for a reference purpose. Okay. Quickly, the geography. Uh, we have already looked at the evidence going from India all the way to the, in the east direction, all the way to South America, to Andes. In the first part, we also did the same thing going in the south direction all the way to Antarctica. In this session, and we are going to go in the west direction, and you'll find Sugriva knew 
or Sugriva describes the world geography going from India all the way to the Alps, all the way to Switzerland. Okay. All right. And then in the north direction, he's describing all the way to the Arctic Sea. Okay. Different names, of course, are used. So this is not some creation, but it, as it happened, that's how from India to Andes, AAAA, you know, to Antarctica, to Alps, and to Arctic. So today we are going to look at in the west direction and the north direction. So let's go in the west direction. Sugriva appointed Sushenu, you know, as the leader for the west direction. And now Sugriva is giving the instructions. Anytime Sugriva is beginning, the description for the specific Vanara party going in any of the four directions, it starts as if starts with the in a central India. And we discussed why, why that is so. Is giving a reference point, okay? And remember, someone has to search for Sita within the India itself, right? So let's not forget that. There is no point just going outside. So somebody has to cover even the parts of India. And so he starts now going in the west direction. He's starting with a Saurashtra. We, we have a Saurashtra right now, okay? Part of Gujarat, state of Gujarat. How old is this place? Okay, Saurashtra. Then Balikan, Chandra Chitran. So he's talking of those areas going in the west direction. I'm going to show you a map in a minute. Okay. And then he's describing the local vegetation. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful area. What kind of fruits are available? What kind of flowers are available? Uh, what kind, you know, that's, that's so on and so forth. Okay. Then, uh, so I will not read all the Sanskrit verses. Sometime I will read certain words. He is talking about the rivers and whatnot. So he started somewhere on the western part of India, Saurashtra, and he is now going to go towards the west as he describes it. Notice he is talking Tatrasthali Marupraya Ati Ucha Shikharashila. He says, as you go there, you are going to uh, come across the desert land, you know, which is uh, right now Rajasthan and parts of Pakistan. Right. Of course, they are going to also encounter the deserts as they go in the west direction. And you're going, he says, also going to go through the mountains. All right. Now, the next one is interesting. So just so that you get a feel how, what, what area he's talking. OK, so I have a map here starting with the central India all the way to uh, Alps. Now, look at the, the all the uh, what you call the red, gray, like, you know, earth color area. Those are mountains. OK, so those are all mountains area. And, so what you're going to see in comparison to other direction, like, you know, south was a water, east was also a lot of water, some land, uh, volcanoes and lakes and islands, but also water. In this direction, yes, there is a water, but mostly the mountains, especially the way they are going. Okay, and look at this. This is all mountain ranges. So you're going to hear a lot of mountains here. Uh, okay, all right. So one something's very specific that I want to mention, as he's going, he says, okay, you will pass through the region of Gandharvas. Okay. Now, Gandharva is referring to the, I think of a Gandhar, Kandahar. Okay. That's the area of uh, Afghanistan. And, you know, the Afghanistan, you know, the people of Afghanistan are known to be fierce people, you know, like very proud of their individual tribe, whatnot, very fierce. That genetic thing has not changed in 14,000 years, guys. Okay. He is warning them. <laughs> He's saying, as you pass through the Gandharva region, okay, you'll find different people, you know, in, in all that. But do not go into their gardens, okay, and try to uh, pluck fruits or any produce for your consumption, okay? I'm just translating that they're saying, you know, they, they will not forgive you, he's saying. Just stay away from them, you know, Phala Mulani Te Tatra Rakshate Bhima Vikrama. 
they are extremely brave people and and we know that right um, british could not conquer conquer afghanistan they just gave up just like they gave up on the nepal at some point yeah. all right uh, now as as i said you will find many many mountains uh, because that's what we see i'm just giving you some names paryatra vajra chakravan varaha megha mean a, a long mountain range and then it talks of meru and also mount astagiri that astagiri i'm identifying with the alps now as soon as you hear meru immediately it is uh, our uh, uh, what you say uh, almost like we are addicted we hear a meru we see the north pole many cases that is a correct thing but not always same thing any time we hear a mahindra mountain you know we think of only one mahindra mountain that we know but no there are many mahindra mountains similarly there are many meru mountains okay so in this particular west direction it's not referring to the uh, north pole okay so there is a meru mountain again i'm going to give you some suggestions of what i think which mountain that sugriv might be referring to it's not a perfect science guys okay there there is no yeah, right now you cannot go to certain mountain and see a, a time so say the title you know the name of that mountain stamped on it from uh, ramayana times so we are trying to explore this so if you find this fascinating then you need to jump in and do more research and not just say okay but i don't agree with that no i mean agreeing disagreeing is absolutely lazy tamasic kind okay if you don't agree then do more research okay and bring something more so what i'm suggesting here are the suggestive names okay but based on how they match with the sugriva's description and how they match with the geography of the earth that we know going from india in the west direction so these are some of the mountains okay and then i'm quickly taking you so notice the verses from 23rd so the kishkinda kan 42 sarga 23rd shloka and i'm jumping taking you to 41 for a minute quickly want to show you so starting with india it's taking you all the way to the alps okay so vishwadevo so it's just saying okay you keep on going cha vasavo maruta cha diva okasa my name comes there no just kidding guys there okay that ok last name just for fun agatya paschimam sandhyam merum uttama parvatam now he says all the way you will come to the end point okay the the where where sun sets so to say that paschim direction and that parvat is called meru parvat somewhere now that's not the end okay that's not the alps okay then he says that's where after that time uh, so it's for sun it takes another certain amount of time to disappear okay to go further you know so adrushya sarva bhutanam astam gachati parvatam after that it takes some time and then sun sets okay what is that area yojananam sahasrani dashatani divakara wow, how much is that distance remember any time you hear a distance sometimes it's a very precise distance other times it is not a precise distance it's like saying how far is that place how far what is the distance between mumbai and delhi and we say 1000 ah, miles and in this case actually it may come out exactly to be 1000 miles or 1000 kilometers you say what's the distance between uh, mumbai and kolkata and he say 1000 hundreds of miles sometimes many times the words are used in that sense they are not to be in a very simplistic uh juvenile fashion to be taken literally you may take literally and see if it makes sense but if it doesn't then you don't just stick to that yojana nam sosrani so yojana means this 
guys yojan has many definitions and sosrani could be used in a figurative sense like many thousands hundreds and so on so uh, don't always try to connect the distance but if you want to hey be my guest actually it's a great thing to do that but then you have to do that research okay and so it's saying at the end of it that astam gachati parvatam that's how uh, you get the name again astagiri and that you will see as we go through description it comes to that uh, uh, alps now what uh, he is saying also etavat vanare shakyam gantum vanara pungava abhaskaram amaryadam na janim tatah param we saw this as a repetitive theme sugriva is telling what he knows with a full confidence but when he doesn't know something he is not pretending to know he says guys after that astagiri i don't know what is there afterwards now, now he is thinking maybe it's all darkness okay now Sugriva's knowledge was not that bad, but he's saying, "Don't ask me. I don't know what is after that." So, as I said in the first part, it appears that for whatever reason, and there is a good reason, geological, uh, climatological reason, but Sugriva doesn't appear to know much about that Atlantic portion, okay, northern and southern hemisphere. But let's move on, okay? So that's that Astamgiri. I'm saying that referring to the uh, Andes. Remember, going in the east direction, we were the so. Sugriva describes going through the Saptadweep area like uh, Thailand and Indonesia and then through the Kshirasagar which is Pacific Ocean and now then he talks about the uh, South America and there he talks about a certain structure engraved into the rocks if you remember from the first part Trishira Kanchanasketu Stalastasya Mahatmana Sthapitah Parvatasagre Virajati Savedika and I showed you the evidence from Peru about that now a similar description sugriva makes going in the west direction and he gives a very specific position i'm going to show you now so those people who are who are here possibly listening or eventually listening on the youtube and those are in the european area especially around italy and um, alps area is uh, switzerland and germany what not and france uh, this is something they can actually go on the trek and to see if they can find out Sugriva is describing Antara Meru Mastamcha Talo Dasha Shiramahan. So this is before Alps, like you know, in the eastward direction, but could be part of the Alps. Jata Rupa Maya Sriman Bhajate Chitra Vedika. So just like there was a trident there, Trishira Kanchanas Ketu. Here, uh, Sugriva is describing a Tala structure of ten heads. Okay. So far, no one has found it, guys. I'll show you now quickly where these mountains are described. So Sugriva starts with a Marubhumi. Uh, Sugri, uh, very beautiful. Ramayana is referring to the what we call today the Arabian Sea as a Sindhu Sagar. Okay, I don't have a verse to show right now, but you, I will encourage you to read Kishkinda Khan to find that word. Very interesting. Now you know you would have imagined the Saraswati, big Saraswati flowing there. For, you know, it could have called Saraswati Sagar also. Like uh, the Ganga Sagar, you know, the Bay of Bengal is called Ganga Sagar also, and of course we call Hindu Mahasagar below that Hindi Mahasagar. But what what is interesting is if you actually look at the hydrology evidence, morphodynamics evidence, geology, geophysics, geochemistry, okay, whole river evidence of India, you find that even fourteen thousand years ago, the Saraswati has actually become much smaller than what it was before. and uh, very interesting 
in the 13,000 BC, Satluj also split from Saraswati and now it was meeting Sindhu. So at the time of uh, uh, Ramayana, which is say about 1000 years after Satluj split from Saraswati and started meeting Sindhu, the Sindhu is the uh, one of the biggest river, if not the big. And if you come to the last uh, Nadi Sukta, last portion of Rugveda, 10.75, the 10th Mandala, 75 Sukta, you'll find that Saras, uh, Sindhu is described as the as if it is the biggest river, not Saraswati. Very interesting. Guys, we are going 14,000 years ago and the physical, geographical, geological reality is captured in how that ocean is named by Sugriva. He's calling it Sindhu Sagar, not Saraswati Sagar. Now remember, Ganga, Sindhu, Saraswati, many times these all three names are used in a generic sense of a river. That is true. But even then, you can also see sometimes uses a very specific ones. Okay, let's go to the mountains. Then he says, after that Sindhu Sagara, after Saurashtra, you are going to come to Hemagiri. Think of this as a mountain range in the Baluchistan area. A Pariyatra, based on the descriptions, we can now they have given the name Suleiman Mountains and whatnot, okay, going towards the Afghanistan region. Then I am giving certain names, Vajra Mountain, okay, that uh, looks like into the Iran area, you know, somewhere there. Chakravan. Look at the Caspian Sea, okay? And not everything that is shown is proper for 14,000 years ago. I'll mention that in a minute. This is the area of a Caspian Sea, by the way, guys, okay? And it's not shown as a uh, water, okay? It's shown as like a lake and, you know, just let's not go into that, but it's shown as a land. By the way, it was definitely, there was water there, but it wasn't the, the way it is a sea today, okay? So that description is actually correct. The Black Sea, this is a Black Sea where I am showing my mouse right now, cursor. And it was not like that, the way it is shown in the picture. But look at the Chakravan mountain. I wish I had another picture and if I have, I will show you. Uh, look at this. The, this is a whole mountain range. This is the northern border of Iran, the modern day Iran, which was very much part of India, by the way, the whole Bharatavarsha. And that is that whole, you can see the whole mountain, it goes in a like a perfect a circumference, you know, circle. That's a Chakravan mountain. That's what I am conjecturing. That's Chakravan mountain. Then you go further. Uh, there is a Varaha mountain that has been mentioned. That's the area of a Turkey. Today, that area, there is a mountain range. It's called Taurus mountain, like a bull. Okay, no big difference. Varaha, a, a pig, a bull, okay, a domesticated animal, you can think of it. All right, something very interesting. Uh, now, many of you would be familiar of a place called Prague Jyotishpur. And we think, and that is actually factually true, that it is in the eastern direction, you know, and the descriptions in the Mahabharata of Bhagadatta and the elephants and whatnot. Um, my uh, good friend Adi Satsangi, uh, he told me that there was also a Prague Jyotishpur in the west direction. And then I said, well, look, here is the evidence for that, by the way. So Bhagadatta was actually the Bhagadatta who fought in the Mahabharata. I'm just taking you quickly 7,000 years post uh, Ramayana to Mahabharata times. Bhagadatta fought in the Mahabharata war. Many people know that. And do keep in mind that many times these kings took the same name or almost like in an alternate fashion, like a father, grandfather, son, uh, grandson, and the names repeated. 
So what's something interesting I want to tell you, the place that is mentioned in the West direction, this is coming from Sugriva's description, Tat Tatra Prak Jyotisham Nama Jata Rupa Mayapuram Yasmin Vasati Dushta Atmo Atma Naroko Nama Danava. And you go to other, uh, our literature, ancient narratives, you will find that Narakasur's place is described sometime in the East, like in the Assam, sometime in the Eastern part of India, all different places. But here is a description. Forget Narak for a minute, but Prak Jyotishpur. And I want to show something. Prajyotishpur is also identified with Bhagadatta and something very interesting. So I'm putting this arrow where current modern day Baghdad is. Now in America, they will call it Baghdad. Okay. Just like Iraq, they call it Iraq. You know, Iran becomes Iran and so on. And the Indians, we will call it in our own way and whatnot. If you ask an Iraqi individual how they say Baghdad, you'll be surprised. And you can go to Google or Wikipedia somewhere and find out. The way they say it is Bhagada. Bhagada, you know, as if like Bhagadatta, they took it and just uh, missed the last letter, like this many, many French words, you know. They don't say Paris, they say Paris, you know. Bhagada, that's how they will say, they will pronounce uh, Baghdad or Baghdad, you know. So something that old memories are somehow still embedded into it. This is a conjecture. This is something worthy for people to explore it more if they're interested. Um, then Sugriv describes a range of mountains. He calls it 60,000. And that is where we need to be careful. Okay. So sometimes 60 becomes 60,000. Just like a 60-year-old Dasharatha became 60,000-year-old or Rama ruling for 30 years after coming back to Ayodhya, became like a day's Ahoratra Samvatsara fashion. It became 11,000 years. Okay, some things happen. Here it is, I think, described as like a 60,000 mountains or something. It's a very long range in that Romania uh, border, you know, Romania area. Uh, and whoever, which are the countries in that area. Uh, I forgot the name now, but because I don't have a time to go, too much time to spend, I will explore, I will ask you to watch some of my other talks also, but explore that uh, particular, this mountain region. That's a Megawanta mountain region is described. Okay, Meru Savarni. Now, this is important. Now, this Sugriva is saying there is a, a Rushi, a sage, Meru Savarni in that area. 14,000 years ago, there is a sage Meru Savarni in that area. And because of uh, that sage, that particular area is uh, referred as a, that Meru mountain. This is a different type of Meru. And this is where uh, Sugriv describes the location of that, uh, tri uh, not trident this time, the a structure similar to that trident we saw on the coast of Peru. But this one has 10 heads, okay? And also it has the Bhajate Chitra Vedika. It looks like a Veda Bhumi and so on and so forth. Something exploration. And then, of course, quickly we come to Astagiri. That is the end. And so I'm just showing you uh, that is the area of the Alps. Quickly have a look at the picture. If we go back to this 14,000 years ago, 20,000 to 14,000, uh, 12,000 BC, which is 14,000 years ago, notice what do you see? The glaciers, that particular area, we'll not go into why there are glaciers there. That can be a separate topic by itself. But the glaciers are essentially covering a significant portion of Europe. Just keep that in mind. It's relevant for our other direction. Now, that is the Astagiri. Just to bring you back to the east direction, the earth is round, remember? Uh, the, the Andes are referred to as Udaya Parvata, Sriman Udaya Parvata, if you remember, in Ramayana times. 
and Alps is described as Astagiri. All right, let's go to north direction. In the north direction, Shatabali is the leader. That is uh, who Sugriva has appointed as a leader for the northern direction. This is what we are looking at, starting with central India somewhere and going all the way to the Arctic Sea. I'm going to also quickly point out the latitude 40. It's very critical for uh, Indian astronomy. So now we are going into this direction, that this is the uh, last direction out of the four direction, where Sugriva is sending one party and giving them instructions. Let's begin with India. Okay, somewhere near Lucknow, okay, I mean, just for the sake of it there, so that I can expand the area. Notice the location of the Kailash mountain. Um, now, if you remember Mahabharata times, after the Mahabharata war was over, Arjun had gone to this area and collected taxes. How could Arjun collect taxes? You'll see that in a minute. Okay. And these names are very ancient, by the way, even before Mahabharata. And you're going to see that. Notice the places called Tajikistan. Notice the places called uh, Kyrgyzstan. Notice two uh, cities here, Al Almaty here, and also Bishak. Okay. Very important. They're approximately on that uh, 40 latitude. Okay, that's that's important point. I'm not going to belabor, but something I want to get it into a public domain. You know, some some talk so that I can refer to this talk. Bishak Almaty, they are at approximately 40 latitude. Okay, let's let's go and see what uh, Sugriv has to say. Starting with India again, he is talking of many mountain ranges. There is no dearth of mountain ranges once we start going towards Himalaya. We don't know exactly which one he's calling by certain specific name. One he calls Himashaila, another one he calls Sudarshan, another he calls Devasakha. And those people who are in the Uttarakhand area and uh, Western UP area, people from Nepal, uh, people from Tibet, uh, which also very much part of India. Okay, China took it, you know. Um, our prime, old prime minister gave it, okay, whatever it is. The point is, there are these many peaks that are referred to. We don't know exactly which one is which, so I'm just showing arrows somewhere in that area. They are going through the passes. Now, quickly, they are, defer, they are referring to the people of that area, Tatram Lenchan, you know, so outskirts of uh, Bharatavarsha, the people were referred as a Mlencha, okay. It's not always a very specific community. Usually what happens, you go from go away from the cultural centers and some of the cultural, uh, what you call this uh, Sanskriti, that Sanskar that happened on us, they uh, become, they dilute, they become diluted. That happens to us, like those of us who are in America. We don't follow exactly some of the uh, hygienic practices or whatnot, the way they would be followed in India and so on and so forth, okay? Uh, so now he's talking of a Cambodge, Yavanan. Yavan immediately doesn't mean uh, a specific community. Like, you know, in a very uh, juvenile fashion, people just try to relate. Yavan means Greek. Yavan means uh, Arab, something like this. Now, Yavan were also considered people of the outskirts area. Okay. And now there are specific communities like the Dard community. You can Dardan. You can still see them in that area. Okay. The northern Pakistan and so on and so forth. Anyways. Those areas that where I'm putting a star and just below that, those area were known uh, as Uttara Madra, Uttara Kuru for a very long time. I'm talking again, taking you to 14,000 years ago and you can see those names. Do you see it? For example, Prasthalan Bharatan Chaiva, Kurum Cha, this is Kuru by the way, Cha Saha Madra Kai, Madradesh, 
Kuru Desh. Now, of course, we know the Hastinapur Kuru. We'll come to that because that area is called Uttara Kuru. And if you go back to the Greek records, like 2000 years ago, okay, like Ptolemy, for example, or other Greek writers, they know this area, they call it Uttara Kuru. Okay, they know this area as Uttara Kuru. Now, Uttara Kuru now is the western part of China. China also took Uttara Kuru. Okay, that's Xinjiang province. And Uttara Madra area would be the area east of Caspian Sea, uh, that Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, and parts of Afghanistan, and, and so on. Okay. All right. And uh, he says this area is very rich with uh, precious stones. And that is true even to this day. Okay. Because, like, you know, the whole uh, Indian uh, plate, the tectonic plate I'm talking, came and slammed into the, the main, main Asia, right? And through that pressures and all that, a lot of stuff from the bottom comes up and so on, and a lot of precious stones. Okay. Nila, Vaidurya, Patrardhyav, that's what it is referring to. Okay. Now, it's referring to Kailash mountain. Okay, I'll not read all that. Atikramecha Akasham, Sarvata Shatayojanam. Again, remember, Shatayojanam, Sastrayojanam. Okay, these can be figurative sometimes. A Parvata Nadi Vruksham, Sarva Sattva Vivarjitam. Not many rivers, okay, no trees, but there are mountains there. Okay, the mountains without trees, without rivers. You can see those dry land there. Okay. That, that is the place. And it gives a specific name. Okay. Kailasam Panduram Prapya, a very white uh, Kailas mountain. That's what you're going to see. He's giving some milestones as they go to the north direction. He's describing the area. I'll not read everything. Now he's referring to Manasar over there, if you notice. Avruksham Kama Shailamcha Manasam Vihaga Alayam, a beautiful lake, Manasa Lake. Avruksham, not many trees. Okay. Not many trees there. Now, then he's describing some other areas of mountains and so on. And I'm taking you uh, in that northern direction. Okay. Uh, going further, something interesting I want to show you. Guys, there is a, so much to read. My objective is to give you enough that you get excited uh, to pick up a copy of Valmiki Ramayan. Okay. Uh, what is that? Uh, Gita Praise Gorakhpur with uh, English translation, Hindi translation, online, uh, IIT Kanpur, IIT Kharagpur. Valmiki Ramayan.net. And you take to this Abhyas, you take to this Swadhyay, take to this Tapasya. So the idea here is to just give you some highlights how fascinating, how real, how factual these descriptions are. One specific thing I want to mention, because there are so many things to mention, uh, which fascinated me. <laughs> okay, maybe that's the reason I'm including it. As I was, I mean, I have not been to this area. I have missed this area. You know, I have the, in my business travel, I never got to go to this area, just straight north Kailash and uh, these uh, the Kyrgyzstan and so on. The description came uh, that this area along the rivers, uh, Sugriva is saying, there are bamboo plantations. Everyone knows what bamboo plant is, right? Bamboo plantation. I'm saying, okay, well, I know, I mean, where I grew up uh, in the western part of India, there are bamboo plantations and I know some other areas. But I say, ah, okay, there also the bamboo grows. So I went there, just the, you know, my curiosity got better of me. Uh, online, I found this is the uh, area for bamboo plantation where the bamboo can grow, okay, around the world. I'm talking this middle uh, highlighted area. And if you look here, the India and the northern portion, I was just curious, and that's why I went there. And this is almost like a border, you know, you cross India, you go to beyond Kailash mountain, and that is a border of it. Interesting enough, I said, wow, so that class that qualifies, it corroborates. And here it is referring 
a specific type of bamboo, for example, the different name. He says, Tam tu desham atikramya shailoda nama nimnaga. Very interesting again. Ubayo tirayo tasya. On the both sides of uh, the bank, both uh, you know, banks of the rivers. Kichaka nama venava. The, a bamboo known as a kichaka is grown. You know, you can see the plantations of those. I mean, natural growth, whatever. Something else. The, he is referring to that area, river, as a or as a shailoda. It has slightly modified by the time of Mahabharata, and Duryodhan is referring to that area. And again, he calls it Shailoba or something like this. So names can slightly change. Very, very beautiful, very consistent over a long period of time. So that Shailoba existed before fourteen thousand. It is referred to fourteen thousand years ago. It is again referred seven thousand five hundred years ago, and so on. And it will be very curious to know what do they call that particular area. Uh, this will be uh, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, and western part of China. It will be very curious if somebody wants to do that research and see what area they call it today. Anyways, it also describes the land uh, of lots of rivers. And he, this is a, a, a photo taken from the space. You can see many rivers. So it looks like they're coming down. It's a angle, you know, the way photo is taken. But a lot of rivers, very uh, wonderful area, beautiful area. And that's what uh, Sugriva is describing. Uh, full of uh, precious stones, okay, many, many other things, deer skins and whatnot, you can see those descriptions. Now we are, I'm going to take you to the Arctic Sea. Then he says, okay, as you keep on going, eventually, he's just describing the area, guys, okay, just like he describes Antarctica, but he then warns them not to go to Antarctica. He calls it Yamapuri, Rajdhani, the capital of a Yama. He says, yeah, hey, it's very, very tough to go there and very difficult to come back. Don't go there. We will do some other, I'll find some other way to cover this area. There are some fascinating evidence, guys, fascinating, going back to 100,000 years, uh, talking about the northern area, also Antarctica. But that's a totally different subject. But bringing, I, there is a relevance to this. Here in the Arctic Sea, saying, Tam atikramme shailendram uttara, uttara payasam nidhi. Okay, the payasa, you know, the liquid, the, you know. So now you will reach, I mean, if you go there at the end, you find the Uttara Samudra. That's what he's saying. Tatra Soma Girir Nama Madde Hema Mayomahan. That last verse can be one hour talk, guys. Okay, so I'm not going to go there today. And, you know, he's saying there is a, that Soma mountain and it's a Hema Mayo. It's a shining. Okay, I'll give you some glimpse of it. So he's referring to this area, the Arctic Sea here. Okay, going all the way through Siberia, straight up there. <clears throat> Something very interesting, just like he described uh, the Antarctica as like a tamaso, you know, full, filled with darkness and not very hospitable place. He's describing this area as a satu desho visuryo, visuryo in the sense of as if the when the sun, uh, the sun doesn't exist. That is one way of looking at it. Sun exists in a very specific kind, a special kind. Or it is not as normal. I mean, something of a special appearance than it is here. And again, if you understand how the sun appears in the northern, uh, near that North Pole area, you will know how true it is. Okay. Um, in, in summer, it never goes down. It's always there inside the Arctic Circle. Okay. That's one. But something else. He says, as if that land is, uh, doesn't have a sun, but he says, api tasya bhasa prakashate. But nevertheless, the land is shining. Okay, Surya Lakshma Abhividneya Tapata Iva Vivastata. Now, what is he referring to? Again, I'm just pulling one verse. 
but more than likely he is also referring to the northern lights aurora borealis i don't know how many of you had a uh, luck to find this um, i had the fortune of living in extreme northern uh, latitudes um, and to visit places in extreme northern latitudes uh, during all uh, times of the year and if you especially in the winter i mean they can be seen every time but in summer it's a uh, sunlight is there too much sunlight in winter you will see these are called aurora borealis just like in the south you see aurora australis you know the southern direction these are northern lights so beautiful different colors as you go further north and actually it can be felt especially without light pollution that the place is very bright okay so more than likely that's what is sugriv is referring to again you will see the similar descriptions uh, in mahabharata also where arjun goes around the world and arjuna is describing similar region and what is saying na kathanchan gantavyam kurunam uttarenava now this is very important guys we are going back 14000 years ago he is saying i am telling you i am giving you the descriptions in the northern region all the way to the arctic sea but i am not actually asking you to go as far as the northern sea in fact he says na kathamchan gantavyam kurunam uttarenava do not go beyond uttarakuru okay so that's why i just showed you that 40 latitude just as approximately it has a different astronomy significance that i will not describe but 14000 years ago there is a reason he is saying and what is he saying anesh uh, anesham api bhutanam na anukramati vaigati okay most of the creatures will simply not survive there now if you go 14000 years ago the time of ramayana what do you see that whole area you know right now the whole area for russia siberia and of course if you notice here the whole of united kingdom okay guys look the whole of united kingdom and this is again a certain snapshot if you look at some other research it might even come further south but the point being that is all covered in a very thick sheet of ice glaciers same thing ditto for north america actually in this map you can actually see it okay so i mean all this area here um, most of canada i mean all this uh, great lakes area everything that's covered with glaciers we are not going to the reasons for those so he's saying do i'm telling you up to north sea uh, uttara samudra i'm not asking you to go there do not go beyond uttarakuru region so search in that area so that that star that i have put it there actually he's asking them to just go only there now somebody very simplistically will look at that picture and say okay but i see the area here where there is no snow i mean no glacier why he is not asking them to go there well you have to go look at that map there guys 14000 bc map okay and i'm going to map that particular point again that think of approximately that 40 uh, latitude or that uttarakuru geographical boundary if you look at the legend here above that that light pink is a sub arctic okay it's a very sub arctic very treacherous type of um situation 14000 years ago it's saying 14000 bc that's 16000 years ago 16000 years ago uh, plus minus 2000 that is the timing of ramayana how did sugriva know this i think somebody asked the question last time quickly i'll give it to you um so somebody who asked that question great question uh, ram asked the exact same question to sugriva he says 
um, how did you figure this out? I mean, how do you know all this area? And Sugriva says, Evam Maya Tadarajan Pratyaksham Upalakshitam. I have personally been there, okay, and seen it. Prithivi Mandalam, it knows that it's a mandala, it's a round, okay? Prithivi, <laughs> Sugriva knows that, okay? The It took a long time for uh, many other parts of the world to figure it out that <laughs> Earth is round, okay? Including Greeks, of course. Prithivi Mandalam Sarvam Guham Asmi Agata Tata. And then he says why he went, okay, what different areas he went, because, you know, he tells the story between him and uh, his brother, uh, Wali or Bali, right? And he says, therefore, he went in all different directions. He went in the east direction, uh, you know, and where does he go? Purvam Disham Tatogatva Pashyam Vividandruman. Let me highlight. All the way he went to Udaya Parvatam. Udayam Tatra Pashyami Parvatam. He has been to Chile, guys, okay? All right. Then in the west, he's saying, Sapashyan Vividandeshan Astam Chagiri Sattamam. He has been to the Alps. And Himavantam Chamerum Cham Samudram Chatathauttaram. So somehow, uh, you see, everyone doesn't go to Mount Everest, but the trekkers do, right? So, like he, he says, he's saying he has been to even the Arctic Sea, although he's not suggesting his Wanara party actually go there, okay? All right, that's my last slide. Uh, so, if you are in India, and the book that is relevant to what we just discussed is that 12,209 BC, which is also the other name for rest of the world is the historic Rama on Amazon. Uh, so as you have told that the Raman, as you have already taken the Raman dating approx 1200 BC, I want to ask that on what basis we are considering today's geographical map while knowing of the fact that the demographic of the earth changes due to tectonic movement. I hmm. want to just ask that the tectonic movements take places every time. Yes. And it's already 1200 BC. You have taken time off. Okay, let me correct you on two things. First, one thing. It's not 1200 BC. It's 12,000 BC. Yeah, 12,000 BC. Yes, sir. Yeah, let's not miss yeah. the zeros, guys. Okay. It's uh, a major time. Yeah, the Western Indologists and their lackeys in India have missed a lot of zeros of our history. Okay. So even, even uh, no, you, you just made it as an error. But even by mistake, let's not make that mistake. Okay. Yeah, so 12,000. So your question was, uh, has anything changed due to tectonic, uh, tectonic movements? Uh, I will, uh, no, the answer is no, not much has changed. I mean, so what I am showing you were the different maps that I showed uh, going back to, uh, to uh, 14,000 years ago, they are based on the tectonic research. The tectonic research is taken into account. Okay, so yes, the things are changing because of tectonic shift, but they are taken into account. One very good book I would suggest, uh, my uh, good friend Raymond Diaz. Okay, he's uh, based in Goa, Raymond Diaz, and his book is The Teardrop Theory, TTT. If you go to Amazon, you will find it. Okay, and he's rewriting that book after uh, my interaction with him because uh, the geological portion is correct. But then when uh, after he got into some historical moments, uh, then I just brought some uh, some challenges to his attention. And he uh, very uh, kind, he kindly uh, accepted my findings. And so he's going to rewrite that book. So Raymond Diaz, The Teardrop Theory. But as far as the geography is concerned, it's a very good book as is. And he's rewriting that same book. And sir, my another question is that uh, you have uh, tell us about the many 
in fact sukriv sukriv has tell us about many geographical locations of, on the earth at that time i would like to ask does he not know about the language they speak the people of that region because it was it is not stated at there yeah it is not stated you are right you are right now if a meru savarni sage meru savarni is doing tapasya in the in between the chakravan mountain and uh, just east of alps then it's reasonable to assume that he is speaking sanskrit okay or some form of sanskrit but he is not saying it so it is left to us to uh, speculate or conjecture uh, and a generic answer that i'll give you is that we as a a student of history we as a student of antiquity you would have heard the terms the beggars cannot be choosy have you heard that before the beggars cannot be choosy we can deal with the evidence that we have we cannot talk of the evidence that we do not have so great question that you asked like does sugriv i mean does sugriv know what languages they were speaking we have every reason to assume that they know like shankaracharya for example made a whole trip around india right the within the current india you can say gnaneshwar did the same thing you know sant eknath went from kashi to rameshwar namdeva went around chaitanya mahaprabhu went around so granted when they went around india they came across all these languages and uh, they have not always mentioned it but they they were there so if they mention it we will talk about it like hanuman uh, knew many dialects and we get that description in valmiki ramayana but to answer your question we don't have information in valmiki ramayana about the languages spoken in all these different areas and sugriv has not said anything nilesh ji shri nilesh mera mitra hai aur unse bahut baatein karta hu beech beech mein unka jo karya yahan prastut kiya gaya hai aur wo jo karya kar rahe hai wo bahut hi sarahaniya hai wo abhinandiya hai अभिनंदनीय है और मैं बहुत प्रभावित हूँ उनके कार्य से स्फूर्ति भी लेता हूँ उनसे और कुछ उनसे इनपुट्स लेकर कुछ करने का प्रयास भी करूंगा आगे भविष्य में भारतीय कालगणना की जो विषय इससे संलग्न है उसके बारे में थोड़े मेरे भी खुद के विचार है तो आपसे बात करके शायद यही प्रस्तुत करूंगा कि भारतीय कालगणना खगोलीय घटनाओं से कैसे कैसे संलग्न होती है ये भी भविष्य में करने का विचार है लेकिन नीलेश जो कार्य कर रहे हैं वो बहुत अच्छा है और मुझे लगता है कि ऐसे बहुत संशोधक सामने आए और संशोधन करे इस विषय में और कुछ तथ्य बाहर निकाले इससे कि जो अभी लिप्त हैं और विदेशी आक्रांताओं के जो संशोधन विषय है उसमें उन उनका पूर्वग्रह दूषित विश्लेषण हुआ है तो मुझे लगता है कि भारत का भारतीय दृष्टिकोण से भारतीय इतिहास का संशोधन हो और नीलेष जी वो कर रहे हैं वो मुझे बहुत सराहनीय लगता है सो यू आर हंड्रेड परसेंट एक्सैक्टली ट्रू अबाउट द नॉर्दर्न लाइट एंड देन द लाइट इन द डे टाइम वेन द डार्क पीरियड इज गोइंग लाइक नाउ वेज परफेक्ट 
but my question is that in the i see two seasons over here one is mm. the summer another is the winter so yeah. in summer we can see the animals because mm. the ice is melting but in the mm. winters i don't see any animal even the birds so yeah. how the sugriva has came here great question we 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 just don't know for example you look at antarctica today i mean why would anyone uh, with a sane mind will go to antarctica today's antarctica but you know that almost every uh, what you can say the g20 let's call them the top uh, you know financially top countries or whatever you can say developed or developing countries including india they have a establishment on antarctica okay for a different reason so we don't know the answer but sugriv is telling us the important point and so great point great question important point is that whatever sugriva is narrating it is matching and that's what matters now if sugriva did it with the help of a drone <laughs> i'm just deliberately using that because remember wanara also had a flying abilities including sugriva it's very important to know we don't know how they flew okay we can just use our limited brain and try to think of it like a aeroplane a glider or something like that not every wanara could fly this is very important so these are not some uh, simple stories it should not be taken as a simple stories in fact uh, you know sir kalpopper says the the basis the initial inspiration inspiration for scientific progress scientific theories scientific discoveries is mythology and now we are not calling this mythology but he by when he uses the word myth he refers to all over ancient indian all ancient world narratives that's why i'm just using his terms therefore i'm using the word myth he says uh, science starts with the myths and a criticism of a myth or a critiquing of a myth so we have to explore that but to answer the question so yeah they they will go in the winter time they will go in hibernation that's fine and uh, to your point is if uh, the whole area is covered with the glaciers why would sugriv go there i don't know the answer but his descriptions are matching so that's what the beauty is let's see in a science we are uh, talking of um, more likely versus less likely scenario that what sugriv is describing 14000 years ago does that match with the descriptions the geological reality of 14000 years ago and on that count we can say the corroboration is very impressive for example he says do not go north of uttarakuru 40 latitude and right now we would say what's the problem why not go above 40 latitude but based on our geological climatological oceanography knowledge we know why somebody should not go Uh, easily above 40 latitude so that is that is the answer we we don't know everything again as a i mean the beggars cannot be choosy we are just trying to understand whatever little evidence we have one question which was partly answered by you in this talk and in the last is by anuj kavade uh, hmm. he says who were the vanaras were they humans or monkeys or apes who exactly okay. were they very good to uh, to anuj gaude or whoever the, whatever that name you said and everyone who are who is listening right now and those who will listen when it finally comes on the youtube listen carefully you have to go to youtube and search the channel that says 21 the 21 as in number 21 and after that notes n o t e s like a note taking you know 21 notes someone 
is essentially sacrificing his life to make these and life i mean money manova kaya saima time time resources his intellect everything my good friend yashodip devdar okay based in bangalore he is creating that channel and uh, he is bringing the amazing insights from ramayana he is doing that in english he is doing that in hindi 7 6 to 5 to 7 minutes episode he has completed balakanda he has completed almost ayodhya kanda considering the quality of work he has done considering the amount of effort he is putting there considering the fact that he is even not asking any one of us for a penny the number of subscribers and number of viewers are i mean just we should we sh- we should feel shame we as a indian should feel shame okay so instead of me giving the answer i'm going to say go to that site type the word vanara but why just vanara who were the rakshasas who were the vanaras and please watch those episodes don't stop there start sharing learn about it talk with your family talk with your children talk with your parents talk with your grandparents if you are young don't think that your job you don't have a job no you have to educate or reeducate okay uh, this illusion your parents and your grandparents okay the british have successfully deracinated five plus generations so if the grandpas if they think that they knew the knowledge and the young generation doesn't no i disagree with them okay so please use resources like this and find out we have to do tapasya the everything will not come as answer i mean gavde ji great question the answer is there at 21 notes thank you two things one of them is the story of vishwamitra where vishwamitra sends uh, trishanku to the swarg and uh, he is sent back now the shanku means pyramid so trishanku that means oh, vishwamitra had some relations or some contact with the pharaoh and i was wondering is that mentioned here or does uh, sugriv talk about it and the oh, second okay. is the river yeah. nile okay mm-hmm. yeah okay so gr- good question uh, joshi ji uh so first one sugriv doesn't specifically talk about shanku or uh to re- refers to pyramids one reason could be he is not going straight west towards egypt i mean if you're thinking of egypt pyramids but by the way the pyramids are all over the world i mean they are not just in egypt of course you know the south america you know i mean mexico itself has 400 pyramids not many people know that and if you go to Bol- bolivia i mean pyramids 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 everywhere same thing in the Uh, europe also but uh, so if you are referring specifically egyptian pyramid of course he doesn't refer to that because he is going north west that is one possible reason he has not referred anywhere but you what you said is great i mean uh, do remember i mean do understand uh, joshi ji what you just said you have to take it as a claim it's a theory and additional research is required to make the connection so trishanku shanku very wonderful uh, conjecture that you have made the shanku as in more than likely referring to a pyramid structure i i am completely with you but more research is required to actually connect the dots i mean we shouldn't i'm not saying you are doing it we should not make a claim and think that therefore it is true that is that is very important Uh, and the second one was about the nile river no he doesn't refer to nile river but just because you asked the question i will mention 
that when the European teams, they were discovering, and you know what that discovering was, basically claiming everything, if they saw it, if a Christian fellow saw it, it became Christian land, you know, and they were, uh, they were claiming rights to it. When they were trying to search for the origin of Nile, just like we go for a Gangotri or Yamunotri, trying to find out where it started. Uh, that time, the conditions were very treacherous in terms of travel. And there, if you see the records, if you read the books, and I'm not telling Joshiji, I'm telling everyone who is listening. Uh, Joshiji may already know this. There are books that tell us that the European uh, individuals who search for the origin of Nile, Nila, by the way, Nila Nadi, origin of Nile, they actually took help of the maps that were maps and a descriptions, some of the even Purana descriptions that were available in India, like that area was called Somagiri and then the Nila Nadi, and they used those maps and those people from Europe who found it, they have admitted taking help of the maps available from India to search the origin of Nile. Just because you said a Nile, I'm just giving you some tidbit that's relevant. But Sugriva has not talked about it. Uh, I am studying medicine there. And so, uh, we have a subject over here, like the history of Turistan, in which okay. we uh, learn about the ancient uh, Kyrgyz people. So when I, as we have uh, learned in that, that uh, the ancient uh, Kyrgyz people were uh, the followers of uh, like fire worship. They were mm-hmm. uh, shaman, sham, shamanism. They used to follow shamanism. And yes. uh, they were not like not at that time there was no Islam at this place. So th- now that's a, a point that like, like the you said about the Malicha place. So yeah. that not, they were not maybe they were not Hindus, but they were following fire. And Correct. they also uh, have a festival, the Navaros. Yeah. Uh, they still celebrate that. Correct. So now, which is again uh, the Zoroastrians, like what we I mean, just for a lack of better name, we call Zoroastrians. Uh, they also fire worship. I mean, they are not also, they are talking the same thing. The Parsis also call their New Year Navroz, uh, if, if you know, you know, Navroz. And that's a new and the rising and, you know, that's all there. Uh, very good. Thank you for bringing that, uh, bringing that up here. Uh, if you, now Sugriva doesn't talk much about the social aspect. Just like somebody asked about the languages. I forgot whoever asked, but it doesn't talk about it. However, if you come to Mahabharata, again, still that is going uh, significantly ancient times. We are talking more than 7,500 years ago. Uh, Ramayana, sorry, sorry, Mahabharata has indirect references to this fire worship. Okay, so of course, that will be the area of Iran also, but area of Kyrgyzstan, as you mentioned, that whole area. I mean, right now we have these boundaries, these national boundaries. That time, these, are, these boundaries are not like this. They could be the Janapada which king is ruling and depending on the who is the ruling their boundary might keep on changing you know so yes uh, thank you for sharing that uh, indirect reference comes to in the shanti parva of that particular practices in fact narad muni narad muni remember we described narad muni who goes around the world okay it's not a figurative he literally went <laughs> he just like sugriva went so narad muni actually is talking and he's saying he's describing that bit uh, different type of uh, upasana paddhati with the fire as the key element and and it is there in the shanti parva and there are actually books written about it um, by the way uh, so whether zaratrushta as an individual uh, whatever whatever is his timing and there is actually one claim for zaratrushta and i would just mention it because whether the, I, it's not a validated claim 
But what is very interesting is that per that claim, the timing of Zarathustra is also uh, estimated as 6th millennium BC. Something very interesting, the same time as the timing of Mahabharata. And if you search in the Google, you will find those references. Nal or Neel ka kya contribution tha Ram Setu banane mein? Wo thoda mein janna chata hoon. Okay. Aap thoda janna chata hai, mein aapko thoda hi bataunga. So the jo Setu banaya gaya na, now that is also another subject. Like uh, where is that Setu? Uh, some of uh, the researchers who also work with me in other areas, they are original researchers in their own right. Uh, one is uh, Mrs. Rupa Bhatti. Another one is uh, a very young researcher, 23-year-old, um, Jeevan Rao. And there are a few others uh, who, have, who are not into a limelight for a reason again. Uh, and they're working on the location of Lanka. So even where is Ravana's Lanka? Is Sri Lanka, Lanka? That's another issue. I'm going to do a separate Sangam talk on that. But the Setu that was built, the bridge that was built to connect from the Indian landmass to Lanka, consistently it is called a Nala Setu. Sometime out of great uh, devotion to Rama, we call it Rama Setu. That is okay. But I think to be precise and accurate with the historical details, and why change the words when Valmiki is saying in a certain way and when Vyasadeva is saying the same thing in a Ramayana, it is called Nala Setu. So yes, so Nala was the architect. Nala was that civil engineer par excellence. And uh, uh, just a short answer, Akhilesh Ji. Everything is given in the as much detail as Valmiki Ramayana goes to. If there is nothing in Valmiki, not in Valmiki Ramayana, I cannot pull a magic something out of my magical hat. Okay. Uh, but I would encourage you to read those relevant portions of uh, uh, the Yuddha Kanda, the early portions of Yuddha Kanda from Valmiki Ramayana with the Gita press translations. It will tell you all the details. The Nala was an engineer par excellence when he came into the picture. Why he did not initially tell Rama about his skill? Why did he tell afterwards how he built the bridge? Who helped? Uh, how many days it took? Every single detail is there in Valmiki Ramayana. Thank you. Then we have uh, one more question from this comes from uh, Miss Lata Pal. She asks, Is the older Pharaoh period and pyramids older than the Ramayana? So, are they older than the Ramayana? Well, I'll tell you where when Ramayana happened. Uh, Ramayana happened 12,000, 1213 millennium BC, 12,209 BC as the year of Ram Ravan Yuddha. Uh, can this person, he or she, I think it was she, uh, I forgot the name, uh, tell me when the uh, Pharaoh's pyramids were built. Uh, there are different dates proposed for Pharaoh's pyramids. If we can have a decisive dating for the pyramids, as much as we have a decisive dating for Ramayana, the question would be very easy to answer. Actually, I'm not required to answer that question if we know the exact timing of um, Pharaoh's pyramids. That is the answer. Are these Hanuman ji all or those Jains? Because uh, I'm from Andhra Pradesh, hmm. southern part, eastern hmm. part, and uh, near to our village, there there hmm. were two uh, huge rocks around 50 feet height, 50 hmm. meters height. Hmm. One black black uh, rock, and uh, near nearby village, which is around two kilometers from that, there is one hmm. white quartz stone. Almost, it is disintegrating. Okay. And two stones, uh, 
people nearby say one story that uh, oh. anuman was carrying uh, to black ghee pot or some two pots he was carrying and they fell down yeah uh, there in those two villages and uh, okay. from there around 6 kilometers from there we have uh, hanuman's footsteps huge footsteps uh, there was one temple is there nearby oh. and could all these be jains with uh, all those possibilities yeah so what is your question yeah uh, there is jains Oh, there's uh, vanaras, all this. Okay. And... Well, we are all vanaras. Okay. The the vanaras were humans, and uh, their gene is into us. You know, I mean, so, uh, so, for example, Hanuman was a wonderful grammarian. Okay, knew multiple dialects, including Sanskrit, and he could even speak Avadi. Okay. So when he speaks to read Valmiki Ramayana, when he speaks to Sita, initially he is going to speak to Sita in Sanskrit. but then he says uh, shravana was also a very good sanskrit you know ravana ravana was a great tapasvi so he uh, hanuman thinks uh, that uh, sita may think it's a ravana in some guys so he decides to the word avadhi is not used but he decides to use the local dialect of ayodhya hanuman was that expert they were human beings that's in our genes now quickly to answer your question on the jaina and you know that will be a long answer short answer is see buddhism jainism are relatively recent now jainism seems to tends to claim uh, deep antiquity well if you claim antiquity in the sense of certain practices like a shramana practices you know being a sanyasi or you know that kind of thing like a mendicant's life mendicant's life then yes i mean those existed shramana tradition is a very very old tradition even it doesn't have to do anything with the jainism as such so in that sense the tradition existed they so look at both buddha buddhist tradition as well as jainism jainism tradition like vardhaman mahavir ji or uh, shakyamuni buddha they in their development they whether it was or they connected you know they claim the connection with ikshvaku vamsha the rama's vamsha and why is that again i mean this is i'm giving you my theory short theory not related to this subject but quickly uh, the question is very good because if you look at the buddhism but also jainism the focus is on a niti vichar like a non violence you know in case of jainism especially not so much the buddhism okay buddhism is i'm not going to the philosophical aspect and the uh, ramayan the emphasis is on a niti yes they, because it's a itihas it has everything but the emphasis is on the niti just like in the mahabharata the emphasis is on a karma karma pradhan mahabharata is a karma pradhan uh, ramayan is a niti pradhan so i think the thinkers of buddhism even post buddha post mahavir they possibly felt attracted towards this and that's why they try to uh, uh, claim a proximity with the ikshvaku vamsha and through that these uh, later stories might have uh, developed more than likely they developed uh, through that many times there is a distortion of the original history through these borrowing you know it has happened in the buddhist uh, story like a buddhist jatakas if you have heard about that the story of uh, ramayana that you will hear in the buddhist jataka is i don't know what caused it but it's twisted in many ways and western indologist i don't know i mean out of intelligence out of a certain agenda or foolishness they will if you they want to know about ramayana they will go to this uh, buddhist jataka what nonsense 
if you want to know anything historically you must go to valmiki ramayana and of course for other aspects uh, like a bhakti aspect you can go to tulsi ramayana and kamba ramayana and so on but historical information valmiki ramayana um yeah nilesh it was wonderful to listen to you and i unfortunately i missed the first part but i will look up on youtube if it's there uh, but my question is a little bit unrelated to what was being discussed today it is related more to the fact that so much of pioneering research has been done by you and several other people how hmm. how are we looking to get this into the education stream for our children i mean that's so important for them to kind of get uh, acquainted with all of this we are learning this when we are adults we can yeah. transmit it to our children but that yeah. should that's one way of doing it but the children yeah. from the ground up if they are taught all of these things they are generally are going to be better you know growing up they have all these foundations laid out for them how is there an effort for this yeah uh, okay effort? no great question great question Uh, yes there are lots of efforts but uh, rashmi ji i mean i don't know how to say mandro or rashmi i just see short name there rashmi ji uh, the the point is every one of us has to pitch in like here my good friend konrad is there um, i will tell you that uh, i mean if you ask my wife she will confirm that uh, i work 24/7 i get up at 4 o'clock i get up at 3 o'clock i get up at 2 o'clock uh, last few years i'm living off of my own savings okay and i'm doing 24/7 usually on the weekends i give up to five talks on the weekdays i give up to one to two talks not every day and other times i'm continuously researching working with other researchers um so what the point you said is very good but unless and until every one of us pitches if i'm again i'm just using your question as a uh, way for me to answer that but if we think we attended a sangam talk we have done our duty we listened to the sangam talk we did our duty we shared a sangam talk we did our duty no not no change will ever happen unless until unless and until each one of us rises like that squirrel you know the rama squirrel that helped you know in their own small way to build the bridge this material will not come into the textbooks that is not to say that there are no efforts in fact i am very directly involved in getting the material in some form of textbook it may not be the indian school textbook it may not be immediately the us school textbook but some form of textbook so that the children's learn it but then not just you rashmi ji but not others say okay thank you very much so somebody is doing it i'm so glad no you just you just don't live in the real world okay every one of us has to become a activist every one of us has to do our yajna ahuti in the yajna in the smallest ablest way possible it can be in terms of time money resources whichever way it is until then it will not happen when if we truly study and understand and therefore communicate in a meaningful fashion not in a very dogmatic very cocky fashion because that's what i see in a Uh, hindu social grouping i mean when a few families come together the the their knowledge of their own dharma is so meager i mean i am just aghast so we have to take to study uh, and by study i don't mean ask our children to study no we the grandparents uncles mama ji aunts everyone has to take to study 
just because we are like uh, above 30 above 20 above 40 whatever it is if we think we know no that's a bhram we don't know our religion we don't know our uh, narratives we don't know our ethias we have to study we have to tell others to study eventually that will bring a uh, uh, push that will bring pressure on the politicians politicians do things for a vote they have to win the elections and then it may happen. We may not wait for a politicians. We may find our own ways. The, the new uh, solutions would emerge. The social media is a, such a game changer. But unless each one of us uh, don't do our swadharma and don't ask others to do it, nothing will change. This is not a pessimistic picture. This is a realistic picture that I'm sharing with you.